Hey, it's Jess Massa. Thanks for listening to this episode of WTF Health. All this talk about the future of health is brought to you in part by our sponsors, Transparent, OneDrop, Wheel, Pfizer, Vita Health, Utopia, 120 over 80 marketing, and Bayer G4A. And don't forget, if you want to check out the video version of this interview, head on over to my YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash WTF Health. Hey, it's Jessica Damasa with WTF Health. What's the future of health? I'm talking to the who's who of health tech and healthcare innovation. And today we are jumping into that ever so exciting and I admit confusing world of patient information exchange, those API platforms that exist to help interoperability and here to tell us all about what's going on in this space. We've got the co-founder and CEO of Particle Health and Particle Health just closed a $25 million Series B, which was led by Canvas Ventures. So Troy, it's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. All right. I was excited too, because I saw that $25 million Series B brings your total up to $39.3 million. In my mind, I think this patient data exchange space is so crowded. So this is like that whole, let's collect all the different patient records, standardize them, use fire, and then put this in a way that clinicians can understand it. But I think what I don't understand is like the different flavors of the different kinds of companies that are doing this in this space. So why don't you start it off for us just by talking about particle health and what you guys do. And specifically, I want to dig in on something that I read in the press release and hope you can clarify this for me. So one of the things that the release said that you guys do really well is you've got an exceptional 90% success rate at helping when a clinician searches for a patient's record, it brings up 105 records per patient per search. Did I get that right? What does that even mean? Because that seems so confusing. Yeah, that is accurate. So kind of going back a little bit, um, what we do at Particles, we are often referred to as a network of networks. So behind our platform are a growing number of different organizations that are actually doing all the hard work today of getting all these EMRs and providers and labs and pharmacies together. And all those different efforts um, are what we're plugging into and consolidating and simplifying. And so we're kind of standing on the shoulder of many different giants, um, making all that work that they're doing even more simple and more valuable by just aggregating it and simplifying it down. So when you ask the question is what is 90%, what does 105 mean? Um, when we do a search for a record through our API, 90% of the time we do find records on patients and average, we do find 105 records per patient per search. And the reason that that number is probably so high is most of our customers are dealing with chronically ill patients that have a lot of health data out there in the systems, whether they're diabetics and doing dialysis every week or cancer patients going to one specialist to another, they create a, a biased amount of information. And so that 105 number is because most of our customers are, are sick people. I think the average person would probably be way less than 105. That's just incredible to me. And so what does that look like? Like if somebody like in a health system or, I mean, some of your clients, I mean, pretty awesome clients that you've got there. One Medical is a client, Omada. I mean, there's a couple others that that um, that I've read about. And, you know, it's like, what does it look like to them when a physician is actually searching in for these patient records? Like, what does that look like? Do they have all five, 105 records to comb through? Or does it provide some sort of analysis on top of that? Yeah, so um, for the most part, the end users that are reviewing the data that we grab don't know we exist. In the same way, like in finance, when you use Venmo, you don't really know Plaid is behind the scenes moving money around from banks, right? And so um, 
the, to answer your second question, no, typically the, the providers are not coming through 105 records. We actually take all those records, those 105 files, and then we break them down into pieces. We parse them out and then we organize them into different categories of labs or um, procedures or diagnoses or whatever it is. And then we can then help our customers organize that in such a way that's useful to the provider. And usually that's just a summary of information relevant to the use case. So if it's like a CKD patient or an end-stage renal disease patient, maybe we're going to look at the GFRs over time or the A1Cs or the blood pressures over time. So we help curate that data and present it to the provider in an actually useful way as opposed to just slamming them with more data. Okay, that's awesome. So say a little bit more about that. And I'm wondering if maybe you can give us like a, some specific examples like that, that, that which you just gave us about an end stage renal disease patient, really helpful in terms of like helping me understand what it is that you guys are doing, not just bringing all that data together and standardizing it and making it useful, but that extra little uh, into like value-based care decision making. So yes, just a couple more examples and connect it to that whole concept of value-based care. Yeah, you're nailing it. So like in the beginning, I didn't really know who our customers were going to be like in the early days, right? I thought like telemedicine was going to be a great use case. But for the most part, telemedicine providers don't really care, right? They just want to know, do you have a rash? Here's a prescription for an ointment. Tell me if it's gotten better tomorrow. Um, Where this really becomes valuable is in the value-based care setting. And so if you're talking with a group that takes full risk on patients or maybe a digital health solution that helps support groups that take risk by taking partial risk, this is where we provide a lot of value. And so if you look at like end-stage renal disease, for example, there's only a few things that are like in that top tier, most important category for them to know about. And that might be like their glomerular filtration rates, which is like the definition of renal disease, right? If your kidneys aren't processing very well, we can track that number over time and we can show the, the provider the historical information of that GFR. That data just doesn't exist in their systems today. They just don't have it. They're usually relying on claims data or patient reported data or something else. And so within two minutes, we can have that entire GFR history in the front of the provider. Um, Then there's other kind of tiers of important things, comorbidities, what other diseases does the patient have, BMI, blood pressure risk scores. Um, And then there's also kind of the additional piece of like, can we take a constellation of data points and actually create some sort of like risk score? Like, can we actually start doing some analytics on top of that that helps the doctor have a better picture of this patient's overall health? Um, So that's kind of where we're headed. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit about where particles moving with an analytics kind of component. Oh, yes. I honed in on that in that press release, too. Before we get there, though, I want to ask you this, because this is one of the things, Troy, that's been confusing for me over time. It's like I, you know, I get the interoperability space. I get the fact that these records don't talk with one one another. I get all of that. That's like that interoperability story has been a story forever. And I get the fact that there's a lot of tech companies in this space that are trying to apply fire standards and make the data standardized and then provide some analytics on top of it. But man, it's like I get confused after that about which one is doing what and how you guys are different. So I've heard you guys lumped in with Picnic Health. I've heard you guys lumped in with Health Gorilla, Redox, even Innovacer to a degree. And I don't think you're anything like them, but that's just me. So why don't you tell us like, you know, what's what's stand out for Particle Health among that big crowd of data aggregation, record building, fire cleansing, you know, (laughs) set of tech companies that's really well funded and out there right now? Yeah. So I think if you ask two people in a room what their definition of interoperability is, they'll have different answers, right? Like it is a pretty like- Can I pick the two people? Because I would love it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The way I think about it, I think about it as like what what attempts have been made in the past and what has the evolution of this problem look like and the solutions that have addressed it. I think version zero way back in the day, which is still the most common way that data is exchanged in healthcare is the fax machine. 
And there are companies out there netting billions of dollars doing faxes at hospitals today, right now, as we talk. So that's like bucket one. Bucket two, I think we typically call the integration engine bucket. And these are groups that make it easier to plug into one hospital at a time. You still have to go get a contract with the hospital. You still have to integrate with the hospital, but they're like a tool that makes it easy to standardize every hospital that you integrate with. Um, so that's kind of bucket two. Bucket three, I think, is the patient portal groups. So these are groups that require you, the patient, to log into your portal. But once you log into all of them, it now has like access to your data and it can like update your third-party tools or whatever. So it's the OAuth uh, patient portal method. And then the last bucket, the one we put ourselves in, and I mentioned earlier, is the network of networks. And this is really relatively new. Um, and this, this category wasn't really possible without these two new rules that have come out that we can talk about in a bit. It, um, the big one being anti-information blocking under the 21st Century Cures Act. And the second one being TEFCA, the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement. Um, if you know about these networks today in the US, these are like Care Quality, Commonwealth, eHealth Exchange. Um, these networks are a variety in, of different flavors and types. Like some of them have no technology. It's just a piece of paper you sign. You have to go build your own network. Others actually have technology. Like they have like RFPs with Change Healthcare, for example, and Change Healthcare supports the exchange. So there's a bunch of different types of networks, but um, those rules made these networks possible. And those networks can now be built on top of. And so groups like Particle are building that developer layer on top of all these different networks. Okay, so Tefka, I got into a very deep conversation with Mickey Tripathi about a, a couple mm -hmm. months ago. And so if anybody's interested in learning the ins and outs of Tefka, I suggest you go find that interview. I will link to it in the show notes. But the other thing, actually, Troy, is what I want to ask you about is the anti-information blocking rule. Because yeah. we are kind of still in like early days of implementation on this. We've got some big milestones coming up in the fall around it. And you just wrote this article about it in Forbes, you know, talking about, I mean, and it was a pretty fiery article about how, you know, yeah. right now some of these actors who are not sharing their information are not getting the fines they should, or if they are getting the fines, I don't care. And then it's actually limiting our ability as patients to one day have ownership over our own data. But talk to me a little bit about what you wrote about and like why you take such, you know, great umbrage with what's going on in this space right now. It's, it's, this is the rule that would change everything if it works. And it was passed, um, the anti-information blocking was passed in as Obama's last act out of office. So we're going way back there. And then Trump actually turned it into law officially. And now upcoming on October 6th, I believe, the rules are actually a finable offense, meaning like there's a monetary penalty associated with not, not um, adhering to the info blocking rules. What the info blocking rules like very basically say our patients, like you and I, have the right to access our data through technically feasible ways of our choosing. So like if you said, I want to like have a turtle deliver me my records, the hospital could say, no, that we can't do that. That's not feasible. But if you said, I want it via API, and they have an API, they have to be able to allow you to access your own records via API. So that's the concept. And today, all that tech is built. It's already done. That's how we're exchanging data today. We've done millions of files. So we know it works really, really well. But the, what happens is if a provider requests data through Particle, they get the data back from the provider, from the, the doctors that hold the data. If you switch that doctor out with yourself, asking for your own records, 0% response rate. The hospitals just say, no, we don't really want to give it to her. And there's a bunch of reasons why that we don't need to get into right now. But um, that is the current state of things where the tech is there. It's all working for one set of people, but it's not working for us, the consumers. And so this rule coming up is like is basically saying we've had enough. You sh you, it's your data. The tech is there. The networks are built. The APIs are here. It's working really well right now. So you should have access to that too. 
And so this is why I'm fiery because this is why I'm spicy about this. Because if the if the government decides to enforce this and find the groups that are not adhering to it, we will actually see a big revolution, I believe, in healthcare in the same way we did in finance with groups like Plaid, where all of a sudden you could go invest in like a partial share at Amazon if you couldn't afford to buy a whole share through like Robinhood. Like that's truly like democratizing finance for some people. And so I think the same things could be applied in healthcare, where people can start building solutions for consumers, not hospitals, not payers, not pharma, but for consumers, because the data is free and you don't have to build things for other stakeholders. All right, you've been in tech for you've been in health tech for a long time, in healthcare for a long time. Do you what's your gut feeling on this? Because it's like I hear mixed things, right? So it's like I'm curious about your your gut feeling on this because you know, as you said too, it's like you know, your your business is sitting there ready to go. All you gotta do is I mean, it's probably more complicated than just flipping a switch, but you have an entire new market that you can sell You'd into. You'd be surprised. Oh, oh, oh it's, oh. it's pretty <laughs> close. It's pretty close to flipping a switch, actually. Wow. It's a, so so, I mean, yeah. if consumer, if, if this really does take hold, I mean, do you want to go and sell into the consumer market? And if it is that easy, you know, but it's like, what's your gut tell you on this? It's funny. I'm not jaded yet. <laughs> I might have been, I might be one of the longest in health tech um, and not be jaded. Uh, that's an award I should ask for somewhere. <laughs> um, I'm still optimistic. I think it's, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Mm-hmm. And so this is where the win should be. It should be at the end of this year. If it's not, it's going to happen. Like it has to happen. Um, it really just takes pressure and it takes like a group of people to be like, give me access to my records. Um, <laughs> Were you just going to say damn data? Uh, I'll have e-patient Dave. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> give me my yeah, damn data. <laughs> I, I was, I was about to say that. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm right, so it's WTF health. You can, you can yeah, say that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I don't know. Matt's not here. He would already drop a lot of bombs. Um, so I am optimistic. I think the timing is the question of when does it actually happen? It's, my gut tells me that it's not going to happen on October 6th. I think some people will adhere. We're going to start to see some progress made. And I think some fines are going to get issued. And I think those fines are driving more people to turn it on. And over the next you know, six months to a year, we'll start to see really meaningful access for consumers. That's my, my best Yes. Okay. And at but, well, as CEO, yeah. and, you know, what do you do to prepare for this? Because I mean, like, so y- your model could switch and become a direct to consumer model in addition to being B2B. So I mean, like, is that on your roadmap? Are you just waiting this out? So I think we'll always be B2B. But right. So right now we're B2B. I think in the future, we'll be B2B to C is probably what it'll look like. Okay. So we're not ever going to build patient facing applications or compete in the PHR space or anything like that. We want to support groups that want to do innovative things. So we'll be the pipes behind the Venmos and the Mints and the Robin Hoods. We're not going to build Venmo ourselves. Okay, got it. The network of yeah. networks behind the scenes. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what is next with that funding? So again, congratulations, twenty-five million Series B. You know, and you had some great investors in this. Canvas led. Menlo came back. They led your Series A, and then Story Ventures and Proven Capital. So tell me a little bit about what you're going to be using this funding for, and specifically the things I'm interested in are, you know, this partner program that you talked about in the release, and also the analytics stuff. So give me, what kind of a sneak peek can you give us as to what's on the roadmap to use this funding for? Yeah. So I can give you a couple quick sneak peeks. So we've, we've basically solved mission one, which is, can you put someone's name into an API and get all their medical records back? And like, we basically got that. Like we're, we're, our hit rates are really high. The data depth is in the diversity of the data that we're getting is really, really great. Not a single customer is like, I'm not getting what I need from the API. In fact, it's mostly the converse. It's I'm getting too much data from you. <laughs> and so that problem set is kind of mission number two, which is can we now that we have access to this data and we can capture it, what can we tell providers about those patients that help them make decisions faster and better? 
And so it's really this like insights component of now that we have the privilege of getting access to this information, how can we support the providers, you know, dealing with risk bearing contracts, the information they need to best treat uh, a complex patient. So that's, that's kind of the teaser on the, the that piece. Um, in terms of the, the partnership piece, um, we're, we're looking now at working with EMRs. So originally we've been working with groups with EMRs and now we're wondering, not wondering, we're pursuing the EMR space. So we built an entire platform out that allows EMRs to leverage the national networks. It's kind of like Tefka in a box for an EMR. It's all the stuff they need to add providers and hospitals and practices and clinics to their interop layer and control how much data they're sharing and what type of data they're sharing. So we're building out that control panel for EMRs to connect to every national network in the United States. So and that um, with yeah. that information blocking, that information sharing, really. With you more, bet. When you say Tefka in a box, like that's the whole point, right? Exactly. So we handle, we kind of handle all that net national network stuff with a with an admin plane that allows EMRs to manage all their connectivity. Well, that's very exciting. Yeah. So, okay. So, and this is the thing that I mean. I think EMR companies, and depending on which ones you're talking about, because there's the incumbent EMRs, and then there's all the next gen EMRs. I, you want to tell us which? I won't push you, but can you say which way you're going? We're we're waiting for the incumbents for later. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. No. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Because I was going to say. I mean, I think like this is the thing that they've been working on for God knows how long. Is like try to trying to to make a you know interoperability theater. You know, yeah. as like a, let's try to make this happen, but really how much are you trying? So that's exciting that you're working with some of these next gen companies on really bringing that to fruition. Definitely. Awesome. Well, Troy, thank you so much for stopping by and for getting us up to speed on what you're doing at Particle. I mean, it, it's one of those things like I see these come through, you know, com- announcements with funding for these API companies. And this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but it's like I appreciate the fact that you can explain it so simply and just help us understand not only what it is that you do, but how it's different from everybody else who I want to lump in this space with you and, you know, what the real value add is moving forward. So thank you so much. Yeah. for by. Perfect. I appreciate the time. No problem. All right. That's Troy Bannister, everybody. He's the co-founder and CEO of Particle Health. We're congratulating him on his $25 million Series B round, among other things. If you want to check out more interviews with the who's who of health tech as they are changing the way that we do healthcare, head on over to my YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash WTF Health. I'm Jessica DeMassa. Troy, thanks again for being here. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Jess. If you're looking for more news on what's going on in health tech, I've got another show airing on this channel called Health Tech Deals. In this one, famous healthcare curmudgeon Matthew Holt joins me twice a week to weigh in on the biggest funding deals, M&A activity, and exits in health tech. Just look for episodes labeled Health Tech Deals.